0: Good morning, church. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Forgot my water. I'm just going to grab it real quick. <laughs> Thanks. So as you guys just saw in the video, we are still in our Gather Around series. This is the second week of the Gather Around series where uh, we talk about the parables of Jesus. Uh, last week, Pastor Derek talked about the parable of the sower where he described about the four different types of soil. There's the wayward soil, The thorny soil, the hard soil, and finally the good soil. Pastor Derek said that Jesus said if you understood that parable, you will understand all other parables. And this is important to remember as you'll see how that relates to the parable that we'll talk about today, the prodigal son, and the next two weeks. So as you guys saw the video, I just want to give a shout out to two of our youth that made this possible today, uh, Gavin and Ryan. They're sitting right here. Can we give them a round of applause? So, <clears throat> Gavin played the role of the homeless guy. Uh, I was really shocked. He really got into character. He was really excited, and he took off his shoes. It was freezing cold when we shot that video. But he took off his shoes and really got into character. And, of course, Ryan played the role of the prodigal son. Where uh, When we asked Ryan to play that role, we were hoping that his father would be there to play the role of the dad but since his father was busy I being the only Asian nearby (laughs) took on that role so we'd match so I took on that role and I had the privilege and and honor to be Ryan's dad for five seconds (laughs) so yeah we had a great time but today we'll look into the parable of the prodigal son and you'll see that, that it should be called the parable of the prodigal sons both the sons were lost Both the sons did not want the father, they wanted the father's things. So I divided my sermon into two parts, Act 1 and Act 2. Act 1, I titled it, The Younger Son. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke 15. We'll read from verse 11 to 24. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it up on the screen as well. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, "'Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son.'" Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So a little background and context of what Jesus, or what was going on, was Jesus was preaching, telling about the parables to a crowd. And there were two types of people in this crowd. There were the tax collectors and there were the Pharisees. And this is important to remember because you'll see soon that Jesus told this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, with these two groups of people in mind. So Jesus starts off by saying there was a father who had two sons. And one of the sons, the younger son, comes up to him and says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. This shocked the listeners. This was unheard of. Because what he meant by saying, give me my share of the inheritance, he was pretty much saying, Father, you are as good as dead to me. So the younger son was saying, Father, I don't need you. I don't need our family. You are as good as dead to me. So give me my share of the inheritance, and I'm going to leave you, and I'm going to leave my family, for I know what's best. And the people were shocked because if a, father diso- uh, if a son dishonored a father like that during those times in that culture, the father had every right to kick the son out of the house and take him out to the community, insult him in front of the community, and the community would take part in it. They would spit on him, they would insult him, and they would kick him out of the town. But what Jesus always does in all his parables, much to the shock, of the listeners he says the father responds in love the father accepts the request of the younger son see this was this was unheard of this was radical the father responds in love and gives him his share of the property so the son takes the property and goes off in a distant country right and he spends all the bible says he spends all his money and wealth on reckless living he spends it on prostitutes, gambling, and other things. Finally, a severe famine hits the land. He's left with nothing. And so, what he does is he sells himself to work in the farms. He worked, he worked in the farm, feeding the pigs. And it says that even the masters did not feed him. So, you see, there was this son, right? He had everything. He had all the honor, all the privilege, all the pleasure of his father. And it sounded like his father was pretty well off where he lived. But the son that was right here was now at his lowest. He had no more wealth. He had no more family. He lost all his friends, and he was left with nothing. So the son who was feeding the pigs was starving. So he eats the food that the pigs were eating. And then the Bible says that he comes to his senses. He recognizes, what have I done? How foolish have I been? He recognizes his sin. He recognizes his mistake. And so he comes up with this plan, right? He comes up with this plan, a reconciliation plan, where he's going to go home and convince his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I know you won't take me back as your son, but at least take me back as one of your hired servants. So there were the sons, right, during those times. There were the children. Then there were the servants. The servants worked at home. They did the household chores. And then there were the hired servants. You see, the hired servants did not work at home. They worked outside. They worked in the farm. So what was the son's plan? The son's plan was that he was going to work for years and years to earn his way back into the father's house. You see, this is important. Because isn't that what we do when we mess up? Isn't that what we do when we sin? We try to earn our way back in the Father's favor with our good works, right? Thinking that will be enough. You see, the son comes up with that plan, and so he starts walking home, right? The father, it says that the father sees his younger son in the distance, which meant that the father was looking out for his son day and night, hoping that his son would come home. This is a hoping father, a father that hopes for his children to return. And so the, son, or the father sees his son in the distance, and filled with compassion and love, he runs after the son. This was shocking as well, because Middle East fathers never ran. Women did, children did. It was embarrassing for a Middle Eastern father to run, pick up his cloth and run. But this father ran because he was filled with compassion and love. This father ran after the son. The reason that he ran was because if a son dishonored his father, dishonored his family, and if he was seen back in the community, The people of that town had every right to do three things, and this is important to remember. They had every right to insult him, they had every right to spit on him, and they had every right to beat him up and even maybe throw him back out of the town. The community had every right to do that. You see, that is why the father ran. The father ran before anybody could get to his son so that he would be the first one to get to his son and tell the people, I accept my son back. So the father runs to him, and then he hugs him, and he he kisses him. And you can imagine, right, the son is like, he's trying to pull out his plan. He's trying to pull out this PowerPoint and trying to convince his father, Father, this is why you should accept me back as a son. But the father would not listen to any of it. Instead, he says to his servants to bring three things. Let's look into that. Number one, the, the father tells his servants to bring a robe the best rope in the house. What was the best rope in the house? The best rope in the house was the father's rope. You see, the son was probably filthy. He was probably covered in mud. He probably smelled really bad. But what the father was saying is that from this day onwards, no one will ever see you as what, as for what you've done to me anymore. From this day onward, people will see you as my precious son. The robe signified purity. Number two, he said to the servants, put a ring on his finger. The ring represents position. The ring represents privilege. He was accepted back into the family as a son. Number three, put shoes on his feet, which signifies position. He was not only accepted back as a son, but he was given every right and honor that he had before he left the house. Before I, uh, earlier I said, the community had every right to do three things to the son. They had every right to spit on him, they had every right to insult him, and they had every right to beat him. For the son to come home, Jesus was saying somebody had to pay that price. And somebody did on the cross. When Jesus was carrying that cross for you and I, as he was carrying that cross to Calvary, what did the people around him do? They spit on him, right? They insulted him. They beat him up. But Jesus took it gladly because he knew that we would be safe because of that. That is the grace of the Father. That is the love of the Father. In his book, Grace, I just want to tell a short story. Max Lucado, the writer in his book, Grace, talks about a story where he says there's a couple named Tara and Todd, and they had a beautiful, beautiful daughter named Taylor. In 2010, Taylor met with a skiing accident and unfortunately lost her life. Filled with grief and pain and tears and questions, This parents, they decide to donate Taylor's organs to needy patients. In a different state, not too far, there was a mother named Patricia Winters. Patricia was having heart problems for the past five years, and she had been waiting for an organ donor. The doctor calls her and says, hey, we found a match. And so they performed the surgery. After the surgery, the parents of that little girl, Tara and Todd, hears that their daughter's heart had been given to Patricia Winters. The parents had one last request. For one last time, they wanted to hear the beating heart of their daughter, Taylor. So what do they do? They take the plane ticket, go to the city, and then drive to Patricia's home. When both the mothers meet, they hug and cry for a long time. After they were done crying, Patricia gives Tara a stethoscope. Tara puts it against Patricia's chest. And what does she hear? She hears, for one last time, the beating heart of her daughter, Taylor. Max Lucado goes on to say, because of the cross, When God listens to our hearts, what does he hear? He doesn't hear your heart anymore. He hears the beating heart of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the love of the Father. Let's go on to Act 2, the older son. (sighs) All right. So let's read from verses uh, 25 onwards. "'Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. "'When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, "'so he called to one of his servants "'and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother has come home,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the and calf "'because he has him back safe and sound. "'The older brother became angry and refused to go in. "'So his father went out and pleaded with him, "'but he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders.' Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a and calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus continues to tell the parable and says, there's, but there's an older brother that was working in the field. And then he comes home and he hears music and dancing and celebration and he wonders what's going on. So he calls one of his servants and says, hey, like what's going on in our house? And the servant says, don't you know your younger brother has come home and your father killed a calf for him? And the older brother replies, A calf? And right, we sit here and go like a calf. That must mean something, right? You see, killing a calf signified the greatest celebration that you could throw in honor of any person. So the older son was filled with anger and jealousy and rage, and he wouldn't go inside the house. So, what does the father do? Again, much to the shock of the people listening, the father who was humiliated by the older son, comes out of the house to beg the son to come home. So this father, who is probably throwing the biggest party in his life, biggest celebration that the village had ever seen, he comes out to convince his older son, son, come home, come, let's celebrate. But you see how does the, son, the older son replies. He doesn't even acknowledge him as father anymore. He says, look, look here, I've been slaving for you for all these years but you didn't even kill a young goat for me and my friends to celebrate. But this is important the next line. He says, but this son of yours, you see he doesn't even acknowledge him as brother anymore. He says, this son of yours who has squandered all your property on prostitutes, come home and you kill a calf for him? You see, right there is when the older brother detaches himself from the family. Right there, is when the older brother becomes the prodigal son. And then the father replies with love. This was shocking. He says, My son, which can be translated to my child, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And we wonder, and people, you know, listening to Jesus at that time, were probably on the edge of their seats, right? They were wondering, will the son come in? Will the son listen to his father? Will they be a a family again? But Jesus ends the parable right there. Jesus, Jesus ends the parable abruptly, right? A cliffhanger. I believe that Jesus did that for a reason. In the beginning, I said that there were two types of people listening to this parable. There were the tax collectors, the sinners, and there were the Pharisees, the righteous people with good moral standing. They did everything right. But you see, now you can see which brother relates to which group of people. I believe that Jesus ended the parable right there to redefine three things. Let's look into that, and that will be the end of the sermon. Number one, Jesus redefine God the father the title of this parable is called the prodigal younger son as we read on it can also be called the prodigal older brother or older son but you see Jesus was redefining religion by saying that this is not about God the father by saying this is not about any of the sons this parable is about the father. Jesus was redefining God the father. Number two, Jesus redefined sin. The most visible characteristic of the older brother was that he never left home. He fulfilled all his duties. He fulfilled everything the father told him to do. He was obedient. But you see, the older brother was not lost because of his goodness. This is important. He was lost in spite of his goodness. He thought his good works would earn, make him be accepted by the Father. Tim Keller nails the older brother in his book, uh, in his book, The Prodigal God, where he says, if like the elder brother, you believe that God ought to bless you and help you because you've worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, Then Jesus might be your help or your example, maybe even your inspiration, but he's not your savior. You are serving as your own savior. Number three, and the last point, Jesus redefined religion. Growing up in India, I grew up around Muslims. I had Muslim friends. I had Hindu friends. I had Buddhist friends. I grew up around all the t- different types of religion. Every other religion on this planet will say, here are a list of things. Here are the different steps you can take. Here are the different ways that you can reach God and you can be accepted by God. Jesus redefines religion by saying, no, it is not you. My father is the one that took the first step. My father is the one that took the f- made the first move. You see, it's the father that ran out to the younger brother. And it's the father that came out of the house to convince his older son to come in. It is the father that made the first move. You see, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. Christianity, the gospel says, I am accepted by God through Jesus Christ, and therefore I obey. You see the difference there? Amen. So, if the worship team would come up, we'll end our time today. I uh, just want to share a story with you guys. <clears throat> My father, um, he grew up really poor in the village. Even this Christmas, when I home, went home back to India, we, uh, you know, even to this day, people would go out to fetch water so they would have water to drink throughout the day. He grew up not being able to afford uniform for school. So the principal would make him run laps every morning just because he couldn't afford to pay for uniform. But you see, not because of anything that he's done, but by the grace of God, God lifted him up. And now he's traveling around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was young, he told me a story, and it stuck with me. Because he said in one of his trips, they put him in a really, really nice five-star hotel. Even he was shocked, he said, when he walked in. It was luxurious. It was really posh and fancy, right? He was shocked that they would put him in such a nice hotel. He said that night I walked in my room and I closed the door and I got ready for bed. And I laid on this bed and it was the most comfortable bed I'd ever laid on. But he said, what, when he laid his head on the pillow, as soon as he laid his head on the pillow, my father told me it hit him. He said, Jesus, Because you wore those thorns on your head in my place, tonight I can rest my head on this pillow. Because you wore those thorns in my place 2,000 years ago, in my place, tonight I can rest my head on this pillow. Would you stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you today might be searching. Some of you today might be new to church, new to religion, new to Christianity. I just want to say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or or come forward. I just want to say, you can come home today. You can come home today because somebody wore those thorns on his head in your place for us including myself who have grown up in church who have been Christians for most of our lives may we re-recognize today that it's not by our good works it is by the grace of God alone that we are saved may we re-recognize that we need the Father may we re-recognize our need to come home and may we re-recognize that we are called to love younger brothers of this world. Why? Because the Father loves them. Because the Father accepts and loves the younger brothers. And because we too once were younger brothers, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time today. We come before the cross And we lay down our sins, we lay down our mess, and we also lay down our goodness, Lord. And we we re-recognize that it's by your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are saved. We re-recognize that it's by your grace alone that we are saved. Thank you for taking the first step, Father. We love you and bless the rest of our time today. We pray this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen
1: hallelujah father we love you magnify you and lord we're thankful and even in this story we see so much lord the pride of sin lord the older brother and the younger brother both of them based in pride caused them to fall short but lord you as our father you always restore dignity no matter what side of the coin we're on where that is in play in our life, God, you restore dignity back to us. You redeem us. You draw us out of that place and, Lord, into a much, much better place, relationship with you. We're thankful for that today. God, we're thankful for the, just the sweet word that you give us all today that we can come back to the Father. We can come back home. And, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that not one of us leave this place today. Lord, picking up that mantle of works, thinking that we can earn our place with you. But, God, we leave today under grace. Not grace that keeps us in sin, but grace that leads us out of sin. Lord, it draws us near to you. And, Father, makes us like you. We love you. We rejoice in all that we have through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. I just want to real quick say this. It blesses my heart as much as anything when I see young men of God being raised up in a house and a congregation that embraces them and allows them to grow in the Lord. But I got to say that is as rich a sermon as I've heard uh, in my lifetime on the prodigal son. Amen. And, uh, I know you want to just crawl under a rock right now because we're we're honoring you, but I, you know, you're humble, Toshi, and I want to say that uh, when Toshi came here, I remember we he lived at our. How long did you live with us, by the way? Six, seven months was it? Is that about right? And uh, we'd have talks, and and uh, Toshi has struck me as one of the most humble young men I'd ever seen. And I remember saying to him that I felt like that there was a leader in him that he was going to preach, and it's, you know, he had some other things in mind, maybe. Uh, But how many of you would agree there's a call in his life to communicate the word of God, amen? So I encourage you, come back next week, bring a friend. Here's the deal. Next week, you get to hear another young man in this house, uh, Jeremiah, you all know Jeremiah, he's preached before, and he's gonna bring a, a word on the unmerciful servant. Listen, every one of us has been mistreated by somebody or judged by somebody in our life, amen? And guess what? We've all also judge to someone else isn't that right next week you're going to learn about about that so make sure you bring a friend and come gather around and hear the next parable amen god bless you enjoy your week